Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 45th episode, and today we'll be discussing the lie of American democracy, Ubisoft's stance on game ownership, and SCOTUS being in on it. So, we're going to get right into this with American democracy. This is something that gets talked about a lot in general, and especially since we're in election season in New Hampshire primaries today, so you're going to hear politicians and the media talk about American democracy and how it must be upheld and how Donald Trump and all the evil Republicans are doing everything they can to undermine American democracy. And if only you vote for the blue guy, the Democrats, uh, Joe Biden, or whoever the hell is going to replace him if they uh, pull that one over uh, on all of us, uh, has to be voted for so we can uh, uphold the uh, long-standing, very precious institution of American democracy. That's all bullshit. America is not a democracy. It's never been a democracy. It was never intended to be a democracy. We were founded as a constitutional republic. That's why the Electoral College exists. That's why when the uh, Constitution was originally written, uh, American senators senators were never um, directly elected. That was passed as an amendment. I forget exactly which one, but that was around the turn of the last century. So it was the beginning of the 20th century when senators began to be uh, directly elected. Uh, that that was the um, case be- before that was pa- amendment was passed. Uh, senators were passed by state legislators. They were they were chosen by state legislators, which of course led to cronyism and all these sorts of things. So the republic wasn't you know perfect by any means. It was a very imperfect system, but it was a lot better than just two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. And that's American democracy, you know, or, or any sort of d- democracy. So democracy is only going to be as good as the average voter is, and the average voter is a complete freaking idiot. And that is true basically any population. So you have you sit down, you have a five-minute a popu- a conversation with the average voter, that's your argument against democracy. That's a, that's a basic, I'm paraphrasing Winston Churchill, but that, that's the idea of it. And again, you know, the people in charge know that. They've democratized uh, the election uh, process in a lot of ways in this country um, a good bit, um, but other countries are basically entirely democracies. And it's just... Uh, basically appealing to the lowest common denominator, promising people free stuff, and just uh, a a system that fucks over uh, 49% of people for the will of 51%. Of course, the numbers will change a little bit uh, depending on how popular the current guy in charge is, but it's basically around there. So that's something I want you to keep in mind, especially as we are very solidly in election season. The New Hampshire primary is going on. And uh, like I said, the media politicians are going to be talking about American democracy and how important it is and how we must uphold it. Now, you have to go to the polls and do your part to be a participant in American democracy because if they can keep you convinced that, one, voting is something you should do and it matters, then they can keep having you do it and engaging with that system and uh, upholding the uniparty's um, state, you know, whether this be the you know the federal government, the state governments, and use that power, that that monopoly on force violence, ultimate decision making, to extract as much um, value from the population and this country, and use it to enrich the ruling class. So that's why American democracy gets peddled so hard on the people. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk 
a little bit more about that later, but we're going to move into the next topic, and that's Ubisoft's stance on game ownership. So this was going around last week, maybe a little bit more, a little while ago, uh, where uh, a dev or, or someone in Ubisoft said um, that gamers have to get used to not owning games, and uh, they're trying to push the subscription model on the people. And this has been the case. So every big company has uh, you know, a gaming subscription model. Ubisoft is like Ubisoft Plus, or whatever the hell it's called. EA's got uh, a thing. Um, you've got Xbox's Game Pass, which is actually a pretty good deal. You've got um, PlayStation, you know, plus and, you know, all the free quote unquote free games. So, you know, basically trying to do what Netflix does with games is something that was been very much a, a try. That's it's been, it's been the trend. They want, uh, to basically have you not own games run on the cloud, uh, that you're paying a monthly fee to access. And then, uh, they can take it away from you at any time. They can update anything at any time. As well, you can't mod the games. You can't really do anything unless the uh, developers or, or really, in this case, the publishers uh, want it to happen. And that's really a toxic thing. And it trickles out to um, everything else. So it's just emblematic of the WEF. You're going to own nothing and be happy, right? This is kind of conditioning people to be in that mindset. Um, to get people get people away from like, oh, I buy the disc or I buy the cartridge on a system and I can play it offline. I could play it in Timbuktu if I can get a, a TV and, uh, and uh, a generator up there to uh, charge my console and play it anywhere. Uh, as long as, you know, I've got the means to, you know, power something and I've got the cartridge and it works, uh, then I can play it, right? That's not the thing. It's, you know, you have to have an internet connection. It's got to be in date. It's got to be, uh, yeah, you have to be allowed to play it and it has to be something that's not remote. So, you know, this is a way to control content, to centralize things. Like I said, this trickles out to everything. This trickles out to the idea of owning a car, owning a home, owning, um, you know, means of food production, owning uh, anything, really. Even, even the clothes on your back uh, is is this whole whole thing where it's, you're, you're not going to own anything. And again, you know, stuff like video games, you know, are not the most important things in the world. They're, they're inconsequential um, to most people's lives. If you've lost the ability to play games... Would it be a disappointment for a lot of people? Yes, but it's not like, oh, you can't own a car or you can't own your home anymore. And that's where the real concerning thing is. That's what's going to get a lot of people up in arms unless they slowly um, build up to the concept of not owning anything. And that's why they're going to start with games and movies and music and all these sorts of things where you get onto the subscription model. And it's not completely inbeneficial to have the ability to pay, hey, a monthly fee and you can listen to basically any song anywhere and not have to pay for the albums and all these sorts of things. And, you know, the same thing, you know, makes sense with stuff like Netflix and streaming and all these sorts of things. So, you know, they have their benefits, they have their place, they have their relevancy in the consumer's life. But the idea is to get people used to not owning stuff. And they're starting with the stuff that's inconsequential, that's not too important, and then they're going to build up to the important stuff like cars and homes and uh, food and uh, clothing and all those sorts of things that you won't be allowed to own. You'll have to pay a subscription to get uh, X amount of clothes that you can own or X amount of um, food you can get, basically. And that, like I said, that's building up to it. So I think you know Ubisoft's stance on game ownership is emblematic of the wef agenda that's being pushed on us of course that's a bit tinfoil hat of me 
but that's how I feel. And we're going to head into the last topic. And uh, if you're still with me, thank you. Don't do not forget to uh, like, comment, subscribe, follow, do all that good stuff. Whatever platform you're listening or watching this on, appreciate it very much. And we're going to move on to SCOTUS being in on it. And what do I mean being in on it? Uh, statism. So SCOTUS is very much backing the federal government in this little um, showdown, this spat that's going on between the federal government and the state of Texas. So the state of Texas wants to enforce the border uh, and prevent the migrants from coming into the border. They put up razor wire. Uh, of course, the feds don't want that. They want to have people basically want to have control of the border and let it be a completely porous border let basically anyone come into it and call everyone who uh, isn't on board with this uh, a racist basically that's what their their plan is of course they're never going to say that but that's basically what they want to do and uh the scotus the supreme court of the united states is on the side of the federal government because they made the decision to say hey the feds can come in and cut the razor wire that the um state National Guard or whoever, you know, was doing it for Texas, that razor wire, they can cut it. And of course, Texas is saying we're not going to back down. Uh, so this is going to be, this could be a hot conflict. And I was I was talking with Doc. We, we film Hump Day Potpourri on Sundays. It goes up on Wednesday. I'm not sure if this was in the show or something we were talking about. But all it takes, and this is on either side, you know, one scrappy kid in the National Guard accidentally pulls a trigger at one of the um, you know federal border patrol agents and you've got a hot conflict. And then that trickles down to a general hot conflict, especially with the election on the corner. So it's definitely a very concerning thing. Uh, but, of course, the Supreme Court is a institution that's going to um, empower the federal government basically at every turn that they can for the important stuff. Uh, I don't know. Some, some stuff is uh, a bit odd. Well, these decisions decisions that they make, of course, you know, something like Roe v. Wade gave, um, you know, abortion rights. I um, kicked that back to the states. I was I was a bit odd, but of course, you could make the argument that was uh, meant to destabilize the the country by making abortion even more of an issue and thus allowing the feds to the federal government and states in general to get more power over people because they're arguing about abortion all these sorts of things so you can make that argument there but in general supreme court of the united states isn't this um institution that cares about the constitution the, the federal government all three branches they, they took the constitution and they wiped their asses with it generations ago if you are like i, I don't know basically anyone who's been alive anyone who's alive now, it was not alive at the time when this country stood by the Constitution, in my mind. Probably since, I don't know, uh, probably after World War II, I would say, when the uh, three-letter agencies uh, were founded and started really doing stuff. Uh, you could also make the argument when the uh, the FED the, was founded in 1913 um, as well, and income tax was implemented. You make that argument as well. Uh, so... Or even though it was amended, but be going to the you know the the spiritual not spiritual but the the in original intentions of the founding fathers, what they wanted this country to be and how they wanted it to be structured is not what this country is today in terms of the taxation, in terms of the culture, in terms of the way uh, the population is. We're weak, fat, and lazy, and dependent on the state when we were supposed to be basically a, a decentralized network of small farmers. In local communities that would collaborate together um, to defend against larger um, intrusion, intrusions, you know, 
being these you know foreign you know threats that we would might have to deal with and that's why we would have the militia and a, a standing army you know articles of confederation was the original thing and then the articles of confederation were deemed to be not having federal government that was strong enough so we had to have a, a stronger federal government and that just enriched itself to be the behemoth of an institution that is today which is very unfortunate and the supreme court of the united states is definitely part of that behemoth in this recent ruling saying that um texas can't enforce its own border is basically part of that and i think with that i'm going to leave it here i hope you enjoyed this episode we'll be back on thursday with episode 36 and we're going into the outro now thank you for being in the velvet room with joker the fool be sure to like comment and subscribe whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.